Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. We hope you guys are having a great start to your week. We're going to be discussing today anger and the empath. We've gotten so many emails and Facebook messages from people. I guess on a show a couple of months back, I mentioned that anger is a really good thing and people need to see it as a positive. A lot of people were confused by that statement and they've asked me and Denise to discuss it more thoroughly on the show. So that is our goal for this week's episode. We want to be telling you, we want to tell you about the positives of anger, but also how anger in particular affects the empath and then move into strategies and tips for healthily releasing anger. So Denise, why don't you start us off with kind of a definition of the pros and cons of anger. Okay, well, this is from Dr. Judith Orloff's book, Emotional Freedom. And in that book, she talks about the differences between good and bad anger and how exactly what you just said, anger can be a very healthy reaction to injustice. So if it's, if it's cultures fighting to free themselves from repression or rallying people, it can be a very positive use of anger it, because it creates energy and motivation to step up against dysfunction. It also can motivate people to, or groups of people, for higher well-deserved wages, defending human rights. But on a personal level, it can be good if it's expressed in a focused, healthy way, rather than trying to punish or hurt people. So if you're coming from a place of strength and being proactive and standing in your truth with anger, rather than, you know, volleying caustic or, or trying to cause pain. That's the key phrase there. That, I think, is the difference between the good anger and the bad anger on a personal level. Right, exactly. So what are some of the things she says about how it affects the empath? Well, she went into uh, the physiological things, which I think is fascinating because the more, and we've talked about this a lot, the more we delve into this world and as highly sensitive people, but also as intuitives, the mind-body connection. And she's saying so that she used an example, if someone double crosses you in a deal and you feel angry, your amygdala stimulates adrenaline. So you get an energy rush that rallies you to fight. And then the blood flows to your hands, making it, which in ancient times makes it easier to grip a weapon. And your heart pumps faster, you breathe harder, pupils dilate, you sweat. So you're in this hyperadrenalized state and your aggression mounts. You, you could raise your voice, point accusingly, stare, grimace, flail your arms around, be, be intimidating verbally, go into someone's personal space. And taken to an extreme, you could be literally like go to a physical state with that. So in a pure survival-oriented state, you want to dominate and retaliate to protect yourself and to prevent being hurt from someone else. So it's really one of the hardest things to control because we're, we're not only dealing with the societal things that hit us as triggers, but also this evolutionary value that we needed to defend ourselves against danger. So I think we're, we're going into that primal part of our brains when anger triggers us, and we do have all these physical reactions. And I think that the empath in particular tends to avoid anger more than the average person. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. 
we have been so conditioned that that's not a positive thing to do. We don't see anger as a positive. And it's even in schools, you don't get accolades for being angry or speaking your truth. Right, exactly. And empaths in particular are trained to be people pleasers and to be accommodating and almost like chameleons, like matching people's emotions. And so oftentimes in our quest to be a healer, to be kind, to to be there for other people, we tend to push our own anger down. And we all know that when anger is pushed down, it turns into depression, sadness, resentment, bitterness. And those are really negative emotions for physical and emotional health that I think need to be addressed. Right. And one way we might let all the stressors build up to the point of anger and then your temper can flare more easily if you get frustrated. But the other is you're right. You let it, let those angers and resentments just smolder and then it becomes chronic. And again, a physical reaction is cortisol, that stress hormone, starts that slow burn and you stay in that that edgy, quick-to-snap place because it's always feeding on itself. Anger will continue to feed on itself when you let it simmer on the back of the stove like that. I think, too, that anger can become a habit. And that's something I don't think a lot of empaths have to deal with, but I think many of us have been around that. One of my parents, and I'll let longtime listeners guess who, (laughs) one of my parents was really angry a lot of the time when I was growing up. And so I learned to look at anger as a really negative emotion. And it was something I was frankly afraid of. I didn't, a lot of who enjoys being around angry people but me in particular my reaction to angry people in my life was to help them to calm them down to make them feel better and in that process I was hiding my own righteous anger and it wasn't until I read this quote by St. Augustine that things really started to turn for me in a positive direction with anger St. Augustine wrote hope has two beautiful daughters their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. And when I read that, I thought, oh, there is a good side to anger. And then, as I do with most things in my life, I turned to history, and I started looking at all the awful things that had happened in the world that led to really good things, and most of them were rooted in anger. It's anger that propelled the civil rights movement. It's anger that got women the right to vote. It's anger that started this Me Too movement. It's anger that started the Revolutionary War. Anger is at the root of great changes in history. And I think if you look at your own life, you'll see that your anger has many times been at the root of positive change in your life. Now, again, I'm not talking about those people who make anger habit a part of their life. It's like um, an armadillo. They wear it as armor. I think chronically angry people are really deeply ridden with anxiety and fear, and they use anger as a mask to hide their fear. But for most of us who don't walk around angry all the time, I really believe anger can be a motivating force in our life because anger, it gives us a sense of control. It definitely energizes us. It drives us to achieve our goals 
it can bring us hope and optimism. Because usually if you think about what you're angry at, usually we're angry at something that isn't changing. We're angry at an injustice in our life. We're angry at the way someone is treating us. We're angry at something that is stagnant or blocked. And so it brings hope that with this anger, we can change it. Anger also reinforces our position. This is really important for the empath because empaths have a habit of invalidating themselves, of questioning their feelings and emotions because empaths are so used to feeling everyone else's emotions that we often have a hard time figuring out which emotion is ours and which is someone else's. But when we allow ourselves to get angry, it helps us to get in tune with our own righteous emotions. And this can encourage us to change and focus on improvement. Eckhart Tolle has a really good way of, he has a quote that I've gone back to a few times in my life, and he said, where there's anger, there's always pain underneath. And I think pain is often a catalyst for anger for a lot of us because we felt victimized or we felt like we didn't have a voice or we felt like we were, or it came from a place of fear or it could have been being verbally or physically in an abusive situation and that will simmer and simmer and simmer and, and work into becoming anger. Uh, and again, back to the health issues, a lot of times if you have an illness, like if you suffer from migraines or you have um, IBS or chronic pain, that can really, really be intensified by that constant tension that goes with holding anger back. And I'm not saying going to tear someone a new one, but just be aware of how your body is reacting to this. It can also impact your blood pressure, constrict your blood vessels. And uh, you know how they'll say they had, they had no history of heart attacks and someone will pass very quickly. Is there something more beyond that emotionally, like hidden anger or not expressing themselves that caused that constriction? And our bodies are here to help us and, and to help us process this stuff. And when we start to feel a physical reaction or a tightness or a stress, honor that and see what is the emotion behind this. Not to the point of discount, not in any way, shape or form discounting medical treatment. I think definitely if you have something, please go to the doctor, see a physician, see your practitioner, do what you need to do. But also if you keep having a recurring thing and you find that it's connected with about a feeling like you can't find your voice or that you're angry about something, there could be a real connection with that because a lot of stress-related ailments come from not speaking your mind and holding back. Just yes, my humble opinion. Exactly. No, I think, I think that's kind of a fact. We need to express our anger and we need to do so though in a way that is gentle and kind. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but Thomas Paine has a really good quote to think about. He says, the greatest remedy for anger is delay. So when someone or something makes you angry, this has taken me way too long to learn, but I have finally learned this. I don't react in that moment. When someone has done me wrong or something has really pissed me off, I have learned to just stop, to go within and to just sit with that anger. My knee-jerk reaction when I was younger was to react 
and to share my anger with the person. And then I would get in this debate, which would usually leave me emotional, and then I would lose all my facts. Do you ever do that when you're trying to mm-hmm. share something with someone that's a righteous point, and then they attack you, and then, and then I would forget all my reasons for defending that position. So I have learned to delay the response to my anger. Once I learned not to react in the moment, the next thing I moved to, which I also don't think is good, so I've stopped doing this too, but I used to pick up the phone and call five, ten people and share my anger with them. Mm-hmm. Not, not the person that had made me mad, but I'd call a friend and go, you're never going to believe what my boss did today, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd hear all of their responses, and I would take all of those into consideration And then sometimes it worked so well to share my anger with other people that I would forget my anger. I would get it out in the moment, but not to the right person. So I moved from sharing my anger with the person who instigated the anger in the moment. That didn't work. I moved from that to sharing my anger with trusted friends and working it out with them. And sure, it worked. But as a gentle empath, it worked too well, where then I was like, okay, I feel so much better. I got that out. Good. And then I would put myself right back in that same position with that person who would make me angry again, and the pattern would start over. So now what I do is when someone makes me angry, I don't react to them with anger in that moment, and I don't go to my friends. I go within, and I sit with it, and I write it. I write it all down. That helps me a lot. Because if you are an emotional person, which I think all of us empaths are, and you tend to respond from an emotional place, you will lose your facts. You'll lose the memory of why you are justifiably angry. But writing it down has really helped me to stay focused and centered. Because once I write it down, it's like locked in my head. Then I choose the right time and place to discuss that anger with that person I'm having the anger issue with. Once you get to that place and you're ready to share your anger with the person who has initiated it, the other thing I've learned that has really, really helped is that therapeutic technique where you don't use the word you and you don't use those qualifiers always and never. So rather than saying you always do this and you never do that, I will sit with that person and I will say, when this and this and this happened, I'm not sure if you're aware, but it made me feel X, Y, and Z. And then I just sit very quietly and I let them explain their position. And when they have exhausted themselves, then I share my position. That has worked really, really, really well for me in terms of processing and dealing with my anger. Do you do something like that? I do, and I think the the benefit that I have with anger is having worked so many years with volatile, highly uh, disturbed young people. So you can't really, you have to get to the place where you stay calm no matter what. And you just stay very calm affect. You don't show emotion. You just kind of keep it very even keeled. And I've been in some situations, like when I worked in a lockup facility and I worked in a residential treatment facility, 
that the, the client base were masters at getting a reaction out of people. They would work at that, and some of us may work with, or our own children, they know where our buttons are. So you, I had to really get so good at staying calm, even if on the inside I was a mess. Your, your point about you know taking a step back and counting to 10, that's a wonderful skill for all of us, but it's also a really good skill to teach our children that are angry take a break, you know, take that cooling off time, because not only does it give us time to refocus so we don't say something that we may regret later on or keep it escalated, it also offsets that adrenaline surge and lets our neurotransmitters calm down a little bit so that we're coming from a place of more uh, stability and not just reaction. And I think that that's so, so, so important. I've gotten to the point where my last job was very frenetic, a lot of energy, a lot of students, you know, very, very busy, high paced. And every once in a while, I would say, I just need a minute. And I would just take, I'd just, you know, go take a minute and I'd breathe. I'd go around the corner or I'd go get a breath, you know, just open the window and get some fresh air just to recenter. And I think that recentering is vital, especially if, and for me being as, as sensitive for all of us that are listening, that are all of you that are listening that are so sensitive, it gives you a time to get your calm back because it, it's really unsettling if someone's hurling anger at you or you're feeling that yeah. level of anger and emotion. It's a very vulnerable, overwhelming place to be. The power so, of the pause. Yes. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Because, and take your time so that you don't, like if someone's really pushing you to, to uh, respond, or if you're feeling rushed, again, you might say something you regret, or you might say something that can be, and this is if we're looking at a narcissistic angry person, that can be used against you or turned back, and you end up getting the brunt of it. So I think that that's really important to give yourself time to identify why you're so upset about something and um, not let someone bully you into staying in that escalated state or bullying yourself into staying in that escalated state. Excellent points. One thing that my old therapist taught me about anger that has really helped me, and I hope it helps anyone listening, he always would say to me, because I would go to him and I would say, this, this, and this happened, and it made me mad, and what do you think, and wouldn't that make you mad, and blah, 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 blah. And he would say, does it matter if it makes me mad too? And I would say, yeah, it does. Because, yeah. And I would kind of stumble, like, yeah. And then he'd say, well, why? And he got me to realize that I needed validation for my anger. I think because as a kid, I never had the right to be angry. So I was always seeking other people to say, yeah, that is wrong. And he taught me that we never need to validate our feelings. Our feelings are real for us. No matter, even if that's true or not true, in that moment, those feelings are real for us. And we don't need anyone, least of all the person who instigated the angry emotion in us to validate them. And he said, the only person who can validate your emotions is you. Isn't that powerful? It's incredibly powerful. And so, so important to remember and try to internalize. We can talk about this all while we're, but in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's hard to remember that. It is for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
And I think that that's important is that we have to own where we are in the moment with the anger and not, we own it. The emotion doesn't own us because this is where being, being in control is, is an important thing to have, is not to let it derail you or your life or the situation because it escalates so quickly. And, and I've been right. around a lot of angry, volatile people. And as empaths, we do. We, we learn all of these coping strategies to avoid that at all costs. Right. Well, what do you think about, because sometimes I think avoiding it at all costs isn't always a bad idea. And let me explain. There are certain triggers that I have with anyone. It could be Santa Claus. Well, he would never trigger my anger, but I mean, anyone <laughs> could trigger anger. <laughs> I don't know why he popped into my head, but anyone could trigger anger with me on certain topics like racism. If someone says something racial around me, whether it's um, against an, an ethnic group or um, a religious group, I get really triggered and I get really upset. And I will spend a lot of time defending that race, that culture, that religion. Um, homosexuality is another trigger. If people are making jokes about gays or um, saying anything derogatory about them, I get really upset. I, I don't know. Those are the two things that really, really bother me. And I have been around racist people. I've been around homophobic people. And I have learned that it's not really worth it to engage them. It's almost like they get off on talking about it and seeing how much it hurts me. And so now if I'm around someone and they say something derogatory about a certain group of people, instead of putting them down or, or defending that group or showing my shock or hurt or anger or sadness, I just look at them and I'll, and I'll just say something like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Or that's, that's a unique perspective that I don't agree with. I think when dealing with narcissists, they call that the gray rock um, thing where you don't react, you don't engage. And that has seemed to work better for me. What, what do you think about that in terms, I'm not talking about, when you're dealing with your boss or your spouse or your sibling or your parent, I'm just talking about those general things that trigger you with someone who is really to the other side of the spectrum. What do you think about just not engaging them? I think that that's a wonderful skill to master and our political climate right now is the perfect example. That is bringing mm. up rage on both sides of the fence People feel that in their soul, that their, their side is the right side. And if you don't agree with someone, rather than getting into a conflict about it or feel it, and I just think it's easier just to say exactly what you just said, just that's interesting, or why, why throw yourself into that? The thing for me is if someone is abusing a child or an animal, I will... I get scary mad. I mean, I get scary. Oh, angry. Yeah. And, and that is, it's just this primal thing that comes through with me. And I'm not quiet and reserved when that happens. <laughs> so that's my, those are my triggers. And, or if I'm driving in traffic and then it's just, God forbid anyone ever tape, tapes me when I am cut off in traffic because it would be 
Oh, that's a $10,000 video right there. Oh, I just completely lose my shit. <laughs> me too. But that's, but that's a scary thing too. A couple of years ago, I was um, at the grocery store in the parking lot with my girls. And I saw a man just berating his kid. He had the passenger side door open. The kid was in the back seat. And he was yelling at him. Do you ever see someone yell at someone and it's like the words are hitting them? Yes. It, it might as well be punches. Just really inches from his face. And with my kids in tow, I don't know what I was thinking. I walked right over and I just said, is everything okay? Do you need any help? And he reared back with his fist behind him. And I thought he was going to hit me. Mm-hmm. And he just said, this is none of your concern with so much evil and anger in him and I said okay I said I will say a prayer for you both and I just I went into the store and I told the manager to keep an eye on it and my girls were like mom why did you do that (laughs) so what I did think I probably should not have done that with my kids there because this kid this guy was clearly out of control but yeah those are anything with kids or animals I do jump to the defense, but if someone is so set in their ways and they're just trying to trigger me because they like to be angry and, and spout awful things about people in groups, I usually now will just sit quietly and not say much. If they keep coming at me, then I have, I have a series of facts that I just keep in my head. Like if someone Uh, For example, I was at a family dinner last year and we were at a restaurant and these uh, two gay men came in and and sat down at the table next to us and were holding hands and a distant relative was making jokes and kept doing it. And I kind of got the feeling that they were doing it just to rile me up because they know Mm -hmm. how protective I am. And finally, I just started spewing out a bunch of facts. You know, it's been genetically proven that this is not a choice that we are all born this way every single animal uh, species has homosexuality within it it's a fact of life and and I just kind of used facts and and that did work and that did shut them down but I think when we're dealing with anger within ourselves and with personal people and situations in our lives I think it's different. I don't believe we can just do the gray rock and, and sit there and not say anything because really what anger is asking you to do is it's asking you to stand up for yourself, to stand up for who you are and to defend yourself. And sometimes I do think that is worth it. And I think it needs to be expressed and shared with the person who is spewing their anger onto you. Now, there's a point, though. There's a point where that needs to stop. It is not healthy to hold anger for a long time. I don't think anyone needs me to say that. You know that glass of water example where for, mm-hmm. you know, someone will say, can you hold a glass of water for five minutes? Right. Sure. Can you hold it for an hour? Maybe. How about all day? And suddenly that glass of water that was no big deal to hold for five minutes or an hour now is making your arm crank, cramp up and hurt and bend and you're really burdened. That's what happens when we hold anger too long. So I do think with anything, it comes to balance. So you need to feel the anger. You need to validate the anger. You need to take the pause. 
and then you need to express the anger in a constructive way. Once you've expressed it in a constructive way, whether it has been validated or agreed and, and, and settled or not, there comes a point where you need to let that anger go because it's only going to hurt you in really detrimental ways, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. How do you know when you've come to that point, when you have to let the anger go, when it's consuming the majority of your thoughts? That is when you need to let it go. And there's a lot of ways that you can focus on letting it go. My favorite way is through therapy, is to talk it out with someone who is objective, who is trained in dealing with these emotions, and who is an advocate and a cheerleader for you and your health and well-being. I do think talking to friends about it can help as well, and journaling about it is always a wonderful thing. And I also think just talking to yourself and reminding yourself that you are righteous in this anger and that what happened to you was wrong, but that it's time now to look at what are some of the positive things that this angry situation has brought to your life. And sometimes shitty things happen to us that are so bad that there's no positive you can look at. You know, there's no positive. If, if someone dies unexpectedly and you're angry at that, you have every right to be angry. And I, I, I don't care how spiritual you are. There's nothing positive that comes out of that. And sometimes we just have to make peace with that. It's hard. It might take you a year. It might take you 10 years. It might take you a lifetime. But it's a worthy goal to focus on accepting that anger and learning to let it go. It will hold you hostage if you don't. It will control every aspect of your life. And that is from watching people that I cared about very deeply fall into that, that angry state. And it does deteriorate your quality of life. Two things. I want to go back to you know, your confrontation with the person in the, in the vehicle is what flashed in my mind of sometimes people will say, it don't do anything, it's just going to make it worse. And if you are in that situation and you need outside help, please find someone that you trust that you can get help or help for people that you care about because that's a really horrific, horrible, scary place to be. I think that it's really important to, oh, physical, physical. That's where I want to go with this. When my sons were, ang were young after the divorce, a lot of things happened. I hung a weight bag in the basement. And when they were really upset, I would say, go down and wail on that weight bag and physical, whether you run or you go walk outside or you physically, you know, expel that anger so that it can't stay stuck in your body. That's another wonderful, wonderful way to do it. Physical activity to release that pent up anger and not at someone that's a great else. suggestion. Yeah. At someone at something that will just get it out. And some people can run it out or, dance it out or it doesn't matter but i think having it's it's like letting the, the steam go on a safety valve you know there's two things i want to say to that one is when i'm really angry at something and there's nothing i can do about it in the moment i put on my sneakers and i walk away from it and sometimes i will even take a marker and i'll write the person's name underneath my on the sole of my sneaker and I'll imagine just walking away from them. I swear it really, really does help. And just having that reminder that I can walk away from this for now. I'll come back to it. But for now, I'm just going to walk away from it has been really, really helpful. 
That would be a good thing and, to do with little kids too, is to do that and say, this is what you're angry about. Now, how many steps will it take to, to put that behind us and, and have a set number of steps or have a direction or we'll walk to the mailbox and back or whatever that might be to give them something concrete to redirect that energy. Yes. And, you know, you were saying how, you know, get the anger out, go and, and, and hit the, uh, the boxing thing or what have you. The other thing that I teach my kids and I try to demonstrate for them is sometimes when we're angry, we share our anger with the wrong person. So sometimes my kids will come home from school and they'll have had a yucky day and they'll just be, you know, bitchy to all of us. And sometimes I'll come back from a really difficult day and I'll be bitchy with all of them. And one of the things I have really learned to do and it helps so much is I'll say to my kids, I've had a crappy day and I'm in a bad mood. So I just want to let you know if I'm snippy or snappy, it is not personal. I'm going to go have a timeout for myself and just work through this and I'll go for a walk or I'll go in my bedroom and journal. And I taught my kids to do the same thing. If they come home snippy and snappy because of something they're angry about, I'll say you have every right to be angry. You don't have a right to project it onto us. So take a little time out, go for a walk, get on your bike, and we'll deal with it and talk about it when you get back. Those are wonderful skills to give them for, for their life so that they have a concrete way to deal with it and not internalize it. That's perfect. Well, and also to identify it, you know, to say, I'm in a bad mood. I'm angry. I think that's very empowering and it helps to validate our emotions. We have every right to be angry when certain things happen to us. That's okay. We don't always have to put on this smile. But I think when we're trying to deal with conflict, so if something's coming at us and we're escalated, the person we're talking to is, or there's that, that tension between two people because of the anger, sometimes our empath side will kick in and we're so afraid of hurting someone's feelings because we know what it feels like to be cut to the quick or we don't want people to be angry at us so we'll subdue or we'll shut down or we'll oh don't worry about it that was my fault uh, we, you know it's not worth getting upset about because it's so 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 damn uncomfortable and you know with the wrong and I'm thinking of someone that I grew up with that knew how to push my buttons and manipulate me through anger and intimidation. And I think if there's a pattern that's been established with someone and then you're trying to switch that pattern when there's a conflict, that can be really, really difficult work for us as empaths. Mm -hmm. It really can. But we have to ask ourselves, how much do we need to feed this anger? How much does this anger need from us? And usually the answer isn't that much. Once you've validated the anger, once you've tried to mine any positive things from the debris that's left over from the anger, and you've tried to engage the person that created or helped you create the anger and constructively dealt with it, then you need to work on forgiving the anger. You don't have to necessarily forgive the person right away, but you want to hug the anger and give it validation and credit and deal with it. And then think about letting it go because how much is too much? Like how much do you need to carry this anger? What, what is it doing for you? How is 
that anger serving you now? Now, when it initially happens, it's serving you for all the reasons Denise and I have already mentioned. It motivates you. It helps you identify injustice. It drives you to create change. It motivates you uh, to stand up for yourself. So there's a lot of positive things. But once you've dealt with all the positive things, why are you still holding on to the anger? I think people hold on to anger as a protective defensive thing, as an armor, as I was saying before. But I also think people are still seeking validation. And we need to remember that we have to validate ourselves. We can't let the anger do it, and we can't wait for that person to validate it for us. You might never, ever get the apology you need. Denise and I are mediums. One of the things that comes through a lot from loved ones on the other side are apologies. However, I have done many readings where an angry person, an angry parent, for example, will come through, and they'll say, I'm sorry, and then there's that but. I hate that word but. I really, really do. And I'll hear, tell her I'm sorry for, you know, abandoning the family, but. And they'll give me all the reasons why they had to do it. Which means, even though they're on the other side, and they're supposed to be all spiritual and sitting on their cloud with their harp, no, they're the same person and they're still holding on to their reasons. So even in death, you might not get the apology that you need. And you have to make peace with that. You have to. No one else is going to do it for you. That, to me, is the hardest part, and it's what takes the most work, but it is also what holds the most reward. You know, I'll, I'll give a very personal example. When I was going through my divorce, I had a lot of anger, and I had a lot of righteous anger, but it got to the point when I worked through it where I was like, how is this serving me? How is this anger serving me? How is it serving my kids? And the answer was, it's not. It's not serving me at all. It's taking from me. And so now I have a very good relationship with my ex. He comes over for dinner two, three nights a week. We share every holiday together. And that has helped my children. Now, I have a very good friend who went through a divorce right around the same time, and she's still so angry at her ex. She can't look at him. She can't talk to him. And so she has to split up all her Christmases and Easter's and other holidays because she can't be in the same room as him. That has affected her kids, and it has affected her kids' relationship with their dad. I don't know how that anger is serving her anymore. Well, and I think when we work through anger with someone and we can get to the place of being able to see both sides of the argument, that can be a big sign that we're starting to heal and release it and reach towards forgiveness. Because when we're coming from our own place of anger, there's a vindication, there's a sense of, I'm right in this. I also, I am incredibly grateful for my anger when it's been a catalyst to help me be strong enough to move in a new direction. And sometimes it does take anger. It takes getting to the point where I just can't do this anymore to be flipping that switch to say, okay, what? pick yourself up. Where do we go from here? And to step away, if some, another thing, if you're feeling so overwhelmed or if it's feeling too big or too angry, break it down into littler pieces. Break it down into one little step you can take or one little thing you can do to feel better or just task analyze it would be the the technical term. But don't look at this this huge overwhelming thing, but just that one thing I can do to help myself resolve this or heal from this or release this. 
I think that's so, so, so important. I do too. And I don't think we should put so much weight on that word forgiveness either, because sometimes you can release anger without forgiving the person. And I think that's important. A lot of spirituality people are so focused on forgiveness. I think that's a worthy goal, but I don't think you should push it. I don't think you should embrace a false forgiveness. I do think you should work on the anger and process it first and release it and then let the forgiveness come organically as it should, as it will in its own time. And don't judge yourself, liberate yourself if the forgiveness is not coming because that's okay too. Don't you find a lot of times, I'm I'm sorry, I was going to say, don't you find when there's, when you do get to a place of forgiveness, when something, when you felt very wronged or, or angry that it, just happens all of a sudden one day it's just like oh okay i'm done with that now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, yeah. it's not, and it, you can't yeah, even say oh that happened on march 6th it just it happens so naturally in a little steps you don't even notice it right yeah i think that is really important to think about now a lot of empaths tend to avoid anger as we were saying before because we don't want to incite anger in others and something I want you to think about if you're dealing with an angry person they're going to be angry anyway right so you might as well stand up for yourself and share your own valid emotions and experiences I don't think there's really any time when we need to swallow our anger yes the power of the pause that we mentioned before is crucial and we do need to engage that But you can be spiritual and angry. The two seriously can dance together. So many people in the metaphysical community have this fake, illusionary belief that you can't be spiritual if you are angry. If you look at any of our great teachers, they were angry. Jesus Christ got angry. Remember him flipping over the, the tables at the temple? Mother Teresa got angry a lot. Read some of her journals. Gandhi got angry all the time. Martin Luther King Jr. got angry. Many, 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 if not all, of our spiritual teachers got angry. And they used that anger as a force of good. So please don't buy into this stupid New Age theory that spiritual people are peaceful and happy all the time. Because that's not real and if you want to be a real authentic person you need to also embrace anger now before we close out Denise I just have a couple of little fun metaphysical cures that have helped me with anger okay and if you have an angry person or an angry situation in your life you can try some of these one is to take that person's name who's making you angry or throw an anger your way Write it on a piece of paper and put it in a bottle of water and freeze it. Put that bottle of water in the freezer. I know it sounds silly and simple. It has worked for me. It has truly worked for me. I remember when um, I taught this to my daughters and my oldest daughter and her friend had some annoying girls in school that were just, they were just bitchy to everyone in that class and they couldn't stand those girls. So they uh, put these girls' names on a piece of paper and put it in a bottle of water in our freezer. And during the hurricane, when we lost power and everything melted, I I didn't even know they had done this. So I didn't know there's these two bottles of water with these names in them in my freezer. And I, I threw everything away, 
when we did get the power back on and, and blah, blah, blah. And a week into it, my daughter was like, those girls are being so annoying again. I don't think that paper thing is working. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, it melted and I threw it away. I didn't know you did that. You have to do it again. So I've seen it work in my own life and now I've seen it work in my kid's life. So try that. It does work. Another good thing to do is to take a little bowl, a little Tupperware bowl is what I usually use, like like the time that you put spices or salad dressing in and fill it with sugar and a little bit of cinnamon and you put their that person's name or that situation that's causing you anger in it. And you just simply say, with sugar and spice and everything nice, this person is now surrounded by goodness and sweetness. And that will help to sweeten and calm their anger. You can also take a cactus plant, just a small one will do. And you know how like they come in the little plant containers? Just pull it out of the plant container and write that person's name or situation on a piece of paper and put it underneath the root ball of that cactus and then bury it or plant it or keep it on the outermost edge of your property. So for example, my mailbox is at the edge of my property. So I usually would just put it in front of my mailbox and the needles of the cactus are said to deflect their energy from affecting yours. That works really, really well. Um, If let's say you have an angry neighbor who's just annoying and causing you issues you can go to a craft store and get one of those tiny little mirrors they sell them in bags for like two dollars and fifty cents and you can just glue one of those tiny little mirrors onto uh, the outside wall or tree of your house that faces theirs and that's an old feng shui cure that is said to deflect their negative energy back to them and then of course there's always my pink light technique that has worked for me and and always works for me and that's where you just visualize the person or the situation whether it's past or present and you just surround it in pink cotton candy if you can't visualize that you can wrap them in pink insulation but something that is thick and has form and weight to it and it's pink and that has been proven to soften their aura and their energy and their anger and it helps them as well which is really really nice because that's something I want everyone to think about too these people in our life who are angry or causing anger in us it's got to be awful to live in their head Mm -hmm. you know to be that angry and negative all the time I I can't think of a worse punishment. That's got to be terrible. And so as healers and intuitives and empaths, I think we should be focused on sending them healing energy as well. And that pink light technique helps to do that. Those are very helpful little tips and techniques that we can all use. I have so many. There's a lot you can do. Like there's, you can get a little box and glue mirrors um, to the inside of it. Actually, there's a lipstick you can buy at Ulta that comes in a mirrored box that works really, really well. And then you can put that name or that situation in the box. And then the mirrors are said to keep the anger with that person so that it doesn't come out to you. There's a lot of little metaphysical things you can do. I think that really and truly any of them will work It's it's the intent that you put behind it. If you're doing a metaphysical cure to make them feel their anger or to have them have any type of justice or revenge for their anger. The intent behind that is just as negative as their anger. And that's always going to backfire on you. So any prayer or ritual or metaphysical cure that you do to deal with your anger and an angry person or situation, I believe it will work if your intent is one of love and healing for both 
you and that individual or situation. Because ultimately, that is our goal. Right. Cause no harm. That's right. Exactly. So we hope this has given you all something to think about and chew on with your own anger. I really want people to take away from this that you can be a spiritual empath and be angry as well, that the two can go hand in hand and many times should, because as empaths, we are here to stand up for injustices. We are here to help bring healing and light to the world. And sometimes we can only do that by being angry at something that is wrong and unjust. So we have a right to be angry. We have a right to validate and express our anger, but we also have a responsibility to heal and release our anger. And we hope this little episode has given you some ideas to think about that in your own life. Do you want to tell them about our webinar coming up before we close out? Yes. On May 30th, the Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're offering a free webinar on our to just introduce you to our Mediumship 101 course that we'll have available starting in June. So if you're interested, you're on the fence about whether or not you'd like to take the class, you're not familiar with how Zoom works, this will be a chance to get an overview and also to have any questions answered. We've had quite a few people sign up already, but if you are interested, you can sign up through our websites and you can reach Samantha at samanthafay.com or my website is thegratefulmessenger.com. And we'd really love to have you join us. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone. It's going to be fun. So many of the people that have signed up are names that are brand new to me. So it's always nice to see familiar faces, but it's just as nice to get to meet all of our new listeners. So it's going to be a really fun but informative evening as well. And we hope you guys can join us. Don't forget, if you like our show, to please tell a friend or take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube and Spotify. And please start to connect with us on Facebook. Oh, Denise, someone sent us a message on Facebook and she said, I often have a lot of questions that I would like your feedback on, but I would also like other listeners' feedback on as well. Is it okay to post on your page? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, this, that's the whole reason why we created the page and nobody does that. And I thought, well, maybe nobody does that because we never mentioned that. <laughs> so Denise and I, <laughs> we created that page to really help foster more of a community of enlightened empaths to share and connect with each other. So if you have a question that you want other listeners to jump in on, or if you have just something you wanted to share, a quote, an article, please use that page as your own as well and post questions. And if you all are scrolling through and you see a question a listener has posted and you want to say, yeah, me too, or I've been through that and here's what worked for me, we really want this to be an interactive Facebook page, not just a, this is me and Denise talking to you. So please feel free to share on that Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We thank you as always for listening. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. Bye-bye.